Let's go, dude. Let's get it. You know, I always wonder how we get these songs to match the message. Well, I still don't know, but these songs, especially that first one that we started off, Good Old Country, was perfect. And uh, I didn't share the message with Josh or anything to prep for this week, but those were amazing. Okay, shall we pray? Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity to come together as a church family. Father, in the absence of our pastor, we thank you that uh, we're continuing to gather every week and worship you. We thank you for the rain that you've given our land recently and Father, the beauty that it brings. Father, for our church family, we've got health problems and uh, relationship problems. We've got problems. And uh, Father, I just pray that we would look to you for guidance in those and that we would uh, accept your will for the healing that's to come. Well, Father, in all these things we ask, your will be done and not ours, and that we have the wisdom to accept that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. I want to thank you all for giving me the opportunity to share what God laid on my heart to share with us today. When Pastor Matt shared with the deacon body his desire to ask you all for a sabbatical, we obviously had a few questions for him. One of the big questions was who's going to be preaching? Do we hire a temporary pastor, start looking at local pastors, previous, what have you? We just want to know what we're going to do. What if they had a conflict with scheduling, stuff like that? We wanted to make sure that our church family had the opportunity to come together and worship if the church elected Pastor Matt the sabbatical requested. While we were discussing this process in our meeting, the Holy Spirit urged me to speak up. This time I listened. Maybe I shouldn't have. I recommended offering the opportunity to preach to the deacon body. Well, at the next meeting, Pastor Matt, who is, if you don't know, very, very meticulous and detailed about planning, well, he shared more with us. You know, and it was he, he was he was a little vague, but he to make sure that he got everything covered, I chimed in again. So who's going to preach? Do we know him? You know, we care about you guys and want to make sure that somebody who's up here is like-minded. He shared that there had been plenty of interest, and yes, our church family would know him. That's kind of vague. So I pressed him a little more. To my surprise, he remembered what I'd said. He told me, well, Tommy, you are one of them. And so far, Brother Lambert, Miss Patty's husband, was also interested. I'm pretty sure the deacon body went. <laughs> they were a little surprised, not as much as me. But Pastor Matt let us all know he'd be holding a preaching sermon class so that we could properly write down a sermon. So after lots and lots of prayer, 
I am honored to be used by God to deliver his message to us today. As far as Pastor Matt's class, well, ask Rosemary where I graduated in my class, and you'll understand that maybe this won't get me but a C in his class, possibly a D. But I'm doing what I felt like was right. Given this opportunity, I, I'm looking for the words that God would want me to share. I figured we'd just take it back to basics, and that's where we'd go. All the scriptures for today's message will be from the New King James Version. According to the Bible, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned against God, and because of their sin, we are all born with a sinful nature. Romans 3.23 states, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 tells us, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all had sinned. So this verse tells us that sin is universal, meaning everyone is born a sinner, all because of what they did way back when. Sin does a lot of things, but the main thing that it does is separate us from God. Isaiah 59.2 reads, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear you. That's plumb scary to me. Again, in the Garden of Eden before the fall, Adam and Eve had fellowship with God, walked and talked with him, and he was there. After the fall, though, their fellowship was broken. Their sin results in all of us being born without a relationship with God. Something that we inherently want. The Bible tells us we cannot solve this problem on our own. It's just that simple. When the world is told these biblical truths, they come up with all sorts of ways or excuses to deal with this problem. Some people will think or tell you, oh, if you're a good person, if you help people, you're generous with your money, or time, or this is a good one. He or she is such a sweet little old lady or man, surely God's going to let them in. The problem with those thoughts can be found in Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, least anyone should boast. So there you have it. The Bible tells us just because you help people, just because you're a sweet, innocent little old person, or 
one of the youth over here. We cannot do enough. It's just that simple. Sin not only separates us from God, it condemns us before him. Scripture's clear. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not bad, but I got some good news for you. 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, God created us for his glory, for fellowship with him. If we do not accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we cannot be in fellowship with God. It just can't happen. Our lives cannot and will not give him glory. For us to live for our intended purposes, we have to somehow be reconciled to God to repair that relationship. The Bible tells us salvation is from the Lord. So that's from him to us. Meaning if it were left to us, we would forever be lost. That sound familiar? Not by works or deeds can we mend this relationship. Nothing we can do personally on our own can reconcile us. So how does God offer us salvation? How is it that we can be reconciled? By believing that God the Father sent his son to die a bloody, horrific, and painful death on a cross so that we could be reconciled with God. That was his actions for us to mend that relationship. John 3.16 probably the most quoted verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus' own father, our God, couldn't even look at him while he was dying on that cross. But he did that for us. Why couldn't he look at him? Because he had all of our sins. That's all God saw when Jesus was taking his final breath. All he could see, and the reason he looked away, was because we kept him on that cross. He died for you and me, knowing what we would be doing. Because God is merciful, though, loving and forgiving, he offers us forgiveness for our sins if we believe his son died on that cross and we repent of our sins. So that's the answer. 
It's nice and simple. Believing in his son will reconcile us. He sent his son to die for us so that we could have a relationship with him. And we do that by believing that was Jesus is God's son and died for us. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John verse 318 we read, He who believes in him, meaning Jesus, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. A lot of the world has a problem with this. A lot of the world. Some people known as pluralists say that there are many, many ways to get to God. They even say, and you've heard this, that our God is barbaric. If he would send people to hell that live a clean life and are just good people. I mean, they did nothing wrong to nobody. The problem with this view is it's their own personal sense of judgment or their sense of right and wrong. You see, these aren't our rules we're playing by. They're God's rules. Bottom line is, we cannot ignore what Jesus said. He is the only way to God. So this means Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, any other religion or person that doesn't put their faith in Jesus Christ has no hope of ever reaching heaven. So if we believe in Jesus, are we done? I mean, that's all we got to do? No, not quite. You have to receive or accept the gift. So what do we got to do to receive it? His gift of grace and become a follower of Christ, a Christian. And believe it or not, that was the good news. And here's some better news. Maybe you've heard a preacher or friends here at church or family unions, grandma, grandpa, what have you. Talk about giving your heart to Jesus or being born again and wondered what those and many, many other churchy type sayings mean. Because within the church, we have our own language that the world just doesn't quite understand. Well, the Bible can shorten most of those phrases down to one word. One word. That word's repent. Acts 2.38 states, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus 
for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty good. Repentance simply means to stop going one way and go another. Quit doing what you're doing. Repentance is definitely not popular. We get, you know, we were raised this way, we do this. And the world offers us so many busy things to do and fun things to do. Sometimes we'd rather do that than gather together. But it'll do more than just change your direction. It'll get you out of your comfort zone for a little while. Many people want to go to heaven but don't want to change their ways. Instead, they just want to include Jesus in the things they are already doing. That's this guy. A couple of chapters back in my life, that's this guy. Me. But that's against God's will. The excuse is, hey, in this day and age, we are a whole lot busier than what it was back when the Bible was written. We got so many things to do, and besides, we pray while we're doing X, so that makes it okay. My big one was we live in a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week world now. That, that Jesus tells us we cannot fellowship with him that way. He clearly says in Luke 9.23, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Not the other way around. Don't drag him where you want to go. With true repentance, we will have the desire to forego the things in our lives that take time away from following Jesus. Now, when I say that, I want you to know that, yes, we're going to have to work. Yes, we're going to have some things to do with family and friends. But given the opportunity to gather together with like-minded Christians and especially your Christian family, your church, that should be a priority for us. We'll also have the desire to follow through with baptism just as was stated earlier. This in turn will lead us to trust or have faith that we will be fulfilled with the things that we're doing instead of the things that we were doing and enjoy life following Jesus instead of our own desires. Faith is a major part of the gift of salvation. Faith, I couldn't believe it was in there, according to Webster's Dictionary is, of course there were several, I picked the one that applied to us, belief and trust in and loyalty to God. God was even capitalized, I couldn't believe it. In order for us to get to heaven, we must abandon any worldly view of our own goodness, of our own self. Our titles mean nothing. We must not believe the lies that we will get to heaven because of what we do or sacrifice for our friends, family, or various clubs and such. I'm sure most people in here today have been told, oh, thank you so much for doing fill in the blank. Or 
You are a saint for giving up your church time to do or lead what have you. Satan is alive and well and does not want us, the church body, gathered together in worship or fellowship. Our first choice should always be to honor Jesus who died on that nasty cross for us. We need the fellowship, relationships, of like-minded Christians just like a car needs gas. If we don't gather together in worship, if we don't gather together in fellowship to break bread together, I love saying that instead of eat, we will soon run out of the desire to do so and people will not see Jesus in us. We'll be just like that fancy new sports car or for this crowd, that brand new truck that you always wanted. I mean, dressed out to the max. Or, for some of us, that classic car that is just your dream car. All original numbers matching. But that car is parked on the side of the road because it ran out of gas and they're going nowhere. We'll be just like those. A perfectly good vehicle that looks great but is no good to its owner because it can do nothing for him. You see, faith is not simply trusting or knowing Jesus died for our sins, for your sins. Lots of people have that religious view. Even Satan knows that. Faith means trusting Jesus enough to turn away from the old you by making a daily personal decision and commitment to surrender control of your life to do the things he wants you to do. And that's to gather together and continue to grow. A quote from Charles Spurgeon, my wife and I were talking this week and she shared this with me and I, I had never heard it, I never read it, but man, what a powerful statement. Consider how precious a soul, excuse me, a quote from Charles Spurgeon, and I quote, consider how precious a soul must be when both God and the devil are after it, unquote. Wow, that's a real simple statement. To me, that carried so much weight. I think that'll be on my office for sure, on my office wall. Well, Tommy, you're talking a whole lot about doing, 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 doing for Jesus. What's that mean? Well, don't get nervous. He's not saying everyone needs to be a preacher. I'm 53 years old, never thought I'd stand behind this podium. Come up here. Oh, I was fixing to say 23 years ago, but 33 years ago because of a sermon real similar to this. But he's not asking you to be a preacher. He's not asking you to be a missionary. He's just asking that you make him your first priority. To love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, wait a minute now. You're stepping on toes. 
to be bold in your love for him, to pray in public, sit down for a meal, you give thanks at home because you're getting food. You're sitting down in a meal in public, I could care less whether or not the person sitting next to me gets offended or not because I cannot be ashamed of it. To share, tell people about it. To gather together with church family when given the opportunity. Jesus tells us in Luke 9:26, and this one right here is really scary. And I don't mean this to be a scaring words. I'm just sharing what's in the Bible, and that's it. And what he laid on my heart to share with us. Luke 9.26, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory. That, 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 when I think of that, we're going to down our heads and we're going to pray in public and we're going to, we're going to act right because we don't know when he's coming home. Well, here's some better news. By repenting of your sins and placing your trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, at that very moment, you become a new creation. You are reborn and are given a spiritual life that will fill you in ways you never imagined. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's the reborn. When this happens, the Bible says God gives, a, gives us, you, eternal life. That means once you are truly saved, you can never be unsaved. When you repent and ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior, he places his Holy Spirit within you and will never leave or forsake you. He writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And just like one of my favorite hymns, when the roll is called up yonder, you'll be there. I thought that was real good news. But here's the best news that I can do. If you have never made this decision, are uncertain your decision that was made years ago was sincere, you can simply choose to walk down this aisle and let Jesus and your church family know by publicly acknowledging him as your Lord and Savior. I did that years ago, Tommy. Well, a 70-something-year-old man wanted to make sure and was a great example to me, and I think our church, too. Mr. Collins stood up at the age of after 70 because he wanted to make sure. I came forward myself after I had been baptized as a young one because I just couldn't be sure. Wouldn't you want to be sure? Our pastor's wife. I don't know how old she was, and I know she was young enough. I'm not supposed to say her age, but however her age was, she wanted to make sure. She came forward to do that. There is no shame in that. 
please come forward and talk with someone that'll be up here in the front. Don't let Satan, embarrassment, or pride tell you to wait until next week. The fact is, tomorrow's not promised to us. It's not. And if you leave this church building with the opportunity to do what you've just been offered, you're making a decision to not come down and accept him. But if you pass away, before you make that decision public, you'll spend eternity in hell. Like I said, I'm not trying to scare you. That's what the Bible says, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. So don't miss the opportunity. We're not promised tomorrow. If you're a Christian, you've been doing things that maybe you know you shouldn't do. You'd like to rededicate your life to Christ. Come on up. We'll pray with you, talk with you, whatever you need. Please, don't let embarrassment or anything. We are family. Don't let that hold you back. Something else that this altar's for that we rarely use nowadays. It doesn't mean that you have a problem if you come up, that you're embarrassed about, but come up here and give it to God. Everything's going well in your life, but man, my aunt so-and-so's sick, or I'm having problems with no rain. It doesn't matter. That's what this altar's for. Bring those burdens up here to him and give them to him. That's what this altar's for. So I think Miss Anderson's gonna play and Miss Donna's gonna play. And I had no idea how this went either, but Miss Anderson come up with the song, Jesus is Waiting. I'll be down here in the front. We'll have other deacons down here in the front. If you'd like to come, please come. Don't let embarrassment keep you from coming up and sharing with your church family what's on your heart. Don't let embarrassment or Satan keep you from coming up here to this altar and laying your worries on Jesus and letting him take care of them.